obviously we're not I'm not expecting perfection uh, it's yeah. impossible to reach this within the week with brand new youth orchestra but we concentrate on the progress and we'll hopefully we'll learn things from working with this youth orchestra and hopefully we can carry on and maybe expand within like national borders within Lithuania and, and do something more with youth because it's a growing problem uh, especially in Lithuania United Kingdom is also suffering kind of the same problems um, and solutions are needed soon otherwise 10 20 years we will have no orchestras in, in the world left we have no students studying today I'm talking to conductor Marius Reclatus good afternoon Marius good afternoon Petra how are you I'm fine thank you it's so lovely to meet you here on zoom likewise likewise are you in the UK at the moment Yes, I am. I am in the UK and I'm actually in school at the moment. Oh, really? <laughs> Tell me about the school. Uh, so I'm a head of music in a primary school in United Kingdom and it's called Westminster Primary School. It's on the Isle of Sheppey. Yeah. It is it is one of the most deprived areas in United Kingdom, so kids usually don't have a lot of opportunities and the level of education is quite low so in a sense it's a challenging job but very rewarding because i have a chance to bring music and bring arts and all these opportunities to those children wow is it not incredible that you have this opportunity to do that because you would think if you you say if it's a the school it's a deprived in a deprived area then you would think, okay, so arts would be the last on their list. That's actually, yeah, that is very true. But I've been very fortunate. I've been in this school for nearly four years. And we managed to bring children a, a lot of things, like just for them to see the orchestra, opera singers, string quartets, uh, other performances, going to pantos, which is a very popular thing in the United Kingdom before Christmas, kind of a kind of a the, more theatrical plus comedy stuff but so yeah i think our kids are very lucky that we, we they do the school is really invested in music and arts really and can you see a difference in children um because of that oh yeah absolutely absolutely um i would say they literacy and maths levels because of music education has improved uh, their behavior has improved uh, because they have weekly lessons with me we have uh, whole school singing assemblies which is for the children is usually the most exciting thing in the mornings to have a four five hundred children singing together different songs the songs they like so it kind of brings up the mood and for the teachers and for the children and it's absolutely very very beneficial for them so we are I'm really pleased to be at this job. So um, how many hours of, of music do they, would you say, would each child get? It's difficult to say how much hours each child, because they work with classrooms. So I have a whole yeah. class of children. So usually they have at least an hour a week, uh, individual okay. lessons with me as a classroom, as for uh, like singing assemblies. Uh, this year we're going to have two a week uh then obviously my school also has a junior choir and the chamber choir they also have about an hour hour and a half a week okay but if if i can and ask you now this do you think if if there were more time allocated for music and for for singing and and maybe for other forms of art related um can you see that there could be a bigger difference 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, in comparison, for example, if I, because obviously I work in the United Kingdom, but I was brought up in Lithuania, so I can really compare two different educational systems. So, for example, in, in Lithuania, in my school, when I was in primary and secondary school, we would have at least two academic hours a week of music, plus choir, plus two hours at least of individual like piano lessons, plus an hour of singing lessons, and then obviously music history, music theory. So the my school was really, really invested in Lithuania. At the moment, in the United Kingdom, in primary schools, uh, usually you would, you would not have a head of music or just a simple music teacher who would lead music lessons as a specialist. Usually music lessons would be left to a classroom teacher who are not specialized in that. So, But everything comes up to funding. Because oh, the I first see. thing that always is cut, for example, in crisis during COVID, is usually the arts and the music and the budgets are quite tight every single year. So it's really, really difficult for school to find money to fund, for example, my residency in the school or just employ any artist to come and do any work with children. And do you think it's also a, a matter of perception that people have this idea that music, well, music is just the one hour lesson in the week. So it's not that important. How do you, how in this, the staff of the school, how, what is the perception there of what you are doing at the school? Do they value what you are doing? I would I would like to say so. It's always very difficult to say if they value because obviously from my point of view, I would say so because I've been in the school for, for four years and oh. the support I would receive from head of, head of head teacher from the school. She always very engaged. She wants to do projects. She wants children to engage in music, instrumental lessons for them to learn to sing. She sees a great value in these lessons. The same thing as my other colleagues, other classroom teachers, they do really believe that music is as important as literacy, as maths, as science, and etc. Because as for well-being, music is always very related to maths, related to literacy, related to physics. Music is, you know, we always like to say that, cliches say that music is a universal language. And we can use music in pretty much every subject and music can help to develop other subjects. And I really can see this happening in this school. I just wonder always that why is it that, you know, that we have the situation where maths and sciences are very much in the forefront in all the syllabuses and all the the planning of a school but then also music just like you say just one hour in a week um, but now you're saying also it's about funding yes pretty much is about the funding um obviously literacy skills maths is very important if the children can't count or can't write yeah, yeah. We, might, we might a bit of a in a pickle uh but personally, I think that music should be placed within the same level as literacy and maths. Maybe not as many lessons a week, because usually yeah. in primary school you have maths in the morning, the literacy, and then topic or PE. Uh, but I, I would really strongly advocate for more music lessons in primary schools, and I would, I would strongly believe that it would really impact the general level of education within primary schools and within yeah. secondary schools as well. But now, Marius, you also have an orchestra. That is correct. So obviously yeah. the school is my main job that, as we, as yeah. I like to say, pays the bills. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do have an orchestra. I'm in charge of Kent Philharmonic Orchestra in Southeast England. It's a, it's a freelancing orchestra. 
uh, usually musicians are called in when I decide to put a concert on and we usually have three hour rehearsal and a concert. Uh, okay. uh, so luckily I, I have a chance to work with really, really top class musicians from all across United Kingdom and Europe, for example, uh, my principal, the concert master of the orchestra, was is a leader of BBC Symphony Orchestra. In the most previous concert was um, a musician from London Chamber Orchestra. So literally, the level of professionalism within the orchestra is quite high. Like London Symphony and BBC Sim had musicians from Malta Philharmonic coming, and I wanted to expand and bring more professionals to play with the orchestra. But obviously, it's a Obviously, it's also not a cheap leisure to have to put all these concerts together because musicians are, obviously, they need to earn money. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that when it comes to running an orchestra, conducting and enjoying the music is, I would say, 5% cherry on the top of the cake. Mm. The rest of the work is organizing, administration, fundraising. Mm. This this is something that I've heard also before from conductors saying that, you know, you really have to have a sort of a business sense about it. And and to to organize and do that thing those things. You you're absolutely correct. Um, just recently, like last year, I had a chance to study at Juilliard in New York for a bit, and uh, my teacher said a very very touchy thing about uh, the purpose of a conductor. Obviously, in 17th, 18th century, uh, not century, sorry, 70s or 80s, uh, the conductors would usually come to the orchestra, conduct the orchestra and done. Got, got the salary, nothing else to deal with, just, just the musical bit of the performance. Now we're moving to the world when the conductor needs to be multi-skilled. You need to be, you need to have knowledge in PR, in marketing, fundraising and public relations networking you need to have a full baggage in order to sustain the orchestra because the state funding for the orchestra is always kind of decreasing as well everything comes in sponsorship and fundraising and writing funding applications so you need to learn that specific fundraising language and it usually takes a lot of time and you need to be ready for bumps in the road because you write 100 applications one of them might be successful so you need to be quite hardcore and not to get upset and just carry on going with your ideas. But now, did you did you start the orchestra? Is it your initiative? Yeah, that is correct. That was my dream uh, to start the orchestra from scratch. Um, I can't really remember the what was the reason to actually start the orchestra. I, I think there were some issues in my personal life, uh, and so just one day it clicked. Like you know what, I'm actually gonna actually start doing my dream to set up the orchestra so i sat down by the computer opened the company's house website the company's house when you can register a company oh, yeah, and i yeah. registered my orchestra as a company in, in that case usually we can start applying for funds and start researching uh, approaching people mm -hmm. I, I knew already quite a few musicians who said they would be interested in joining and a year later we had our inaugural concert we performed beethoven's third symphony mozart's harp and flute concerto with some absolutely amazing musicians and the concert was an absolute success so since then we carry on working and de developing further projects together that's amazing so you just did it you just didn't things too much ahead and and you just jumped in and did it i, I think that's the way of thinking nothing is going to be given to you on the silver platter these days yeah. if you want to achieve something you need to set your mind to it and 
yes, actually do it. And and as I said, don't get upset if, for example, something doesn't work out, and um, there'll always be a problems uh, yeah. while organizing big things like setting up an orchestra and everything else. You will learn on the way. You will make mistakes, but you will learn from them. And as I said, just don't give up. Just go forward and just try to just do live it. your dreams. Yes, exactly. Yeah. As it was it difficult to get because you you mentioned that you get that you had. Um, you know, big musicians there or that you had uh, musicians from bigger orchestras there, was it difficult to get the musicians to come because it was a new orchestra? Uh, at the time, when we had our first inaugural concert, it was a bit of an issue to get the musicians, but because at the time I had some connections with, you know, BBC Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. I just decided to approach those musicians to say, would you be interested? That's the program. That's the program. That's how much we pay. I exactly the same thing happened with the concertmaster of the orchestra, who was uh, Stephen Bryan, the leader of BBC Symphony Orchestra. I went to a concert in London. I was listening to Marla's first. It was a charity concert. And I've, I've noticed Stephen playing as a concertmaster. And honestly, after the concert, I found him on LinkedIn, gave him mm -hmm. a message. I said, Stephen, would you be interesting? Brand new orchestra, all musicians joining together. Would you be interested in joining? And he said yes. So just <laughs> don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of asking. Yeah. You could get an answer yes or no. If you say, if they say no, you go find someone else. They say yes, brilliant. Exactly. I also think it's there's only just two outcomes: either yes or no. Exactly. Can't be anything else. <laughs> 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 or like on Facebook, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, on Facebook, maybe yeah. <laughs> I, I received some of those. Yeah, I probably could come to the concert and you never hear from them ever again. <laughs> it's also an answer. If they say maybe, it's like, all right, okay, I pretty yeah, much know your okay, answer then. <laughs> but um, Marius, tell me about this project that you're doing in Lithuania now. Uh, so in Lithuania, together with my colleagues, uh, yeah. opera singer uh, Laura Lakitikis Daman and pianist Camilla Zavatskaite, uh, we all three from the same city in Lithuania, it's called Mariampole. Uh, and pretty much about two years ago, uh, I met with Laura during a Lithuanian independence concert. And after the concert, Laura approached me and said, Marius, I have my own foundation, I have my own charity, I'm raising money for a grand piano in our culture center, which is the main purpose of her foundation. And she said, I would like to do just one charity concert, would you be interested in joining? I said, absolutely, it's, like, it's a brilliant idea, R raising money for a grand piano in, in for our home city, uh, just admirable. And I said, yeah, absolutely, let's go for it. And obviously then COVID happened. So we had a lot of time on our hands. So me and Laura start communicating, chatting further. So instead of having one charity concert, we end up creating a brand new full-on festival with you know educational program concerts in uh, regional churches and inviting other Lithuanian musicians to play for us. And then obviously Camille joined us halfway through the first festival. And then we became three musketeers, as I say. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the reaction kind of responses from the first festival were really positive. It was a brilliant experience for all three of us. So we decided that the audience said to us, yeah, you should carry on. And we're listening to our member, to our audience, our people, to our 
uh, neighbors. They say, we need this music. We, we need these festivals. We need proper classical music festivals in our home city. And we decided that we're going to carry on. And this year, our second season starting in literally a week on the 10th of September is our opening concert in, in our home city. Amazing. And now you say it's a charity uh, concert. So the musicians that are involved, they play without a fee. They just, or how does it work? Oh, well, the original plan was to create a charity co- charity concert to raise money. Uh, but obviously, when we start creating the festival, obviously, we t- we need to hire the co- an orchestra and etc. Obviously, all of the concerts are free of charge. Everyone can gain free admission. Uh, they can donate to the charity if they decide to. Uh, of course, myself, uh, Laura and Camilla, we donated all our fees to the foundation. We did everything free of charge. The same this year, we're working absolutely free of charge. Uh, but obviously, to pay the musicians, the orchestras we're hiring to come to play for us, guest musicians, obviously, marketing, posters, everything else comes to a, a price. So once again, comes the fundraising, approaching sponsors, and all that administration, administrative work that needs to be done before commencing the festival. But it seems that you just, um, uh, you know, you have this organizational skills to do that. Because where do, where do you tap in to get all these sponsors? Well, you know, it took time. It took time uh, to realize how to do it, how yeah. to approach funding foundations and charities and anyone who would be willing to contribute to the festival. It was a pro it was a progress. Uh, but I'm happy that I'm interested in fundraising. I'm interested in all of that admin stuff. I really enjoy doing it. Uh, because usually you can you can meet a musician and just mention what fundraising and they will run from you because doing a fundraising is an absolute di- it's a really really difficult job because you need to sit hours mm-hmm. and hours do research uh for example even if you send a, a letter to your company to say would you be willing to be our sponsors you need to do the research about the company about the ceo to see if they funded these events in the past you need to relate this into your letter and it takes quite a few hours to write just one letter to a simple mm-hmm. company to see if they fund you the same with fund- fundraising applications you need to look for different approaches for example this year we are very lucky that our principal sponsor is arts council england even the festival oh. is in lithuania but the yeah. england is funding our festival is funding the educational program for for, for the children because we're creating a new youth orchestra within the frames of this festival so yeah the principal is arts council england and sadly we didn't get money from arts council lithuania so it's a, okay. it's a bit of a paradox we've been funding yeah. internationally but not locally yeah, that's very interesting, but wonderful that they could see, you know, that they see the value of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, because obviously I have an orchestra in United Kingdom, and I think obviously the Arts Council England see the value that the experience I will gain working with the festival in Lithuania, working with the new orchestras, mm-hmm. and that, that will it will bring value to England, to Southeast England, to Canterbury, to the communities in my city. Because I obviously work not only with orchestras, but I work with choirs. I work with people with mental health issues. So I develop lectures about how to work with special needs children. And they do see the value of me getting that experience and bringing back to the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And now this orchestra that you that you formed there in Lithuania, tell me about that. Well, we don't have an orchestra in Lithuania yet. We have a company, oh. uh, which is yeah. Mariampolis Philharmonia. It just on an organization, we it's like like a new company. We literally just started that six months ago. 
as, as a frame for our festival. At the moment, as a festival, we collaborate with other orchestras. Okay. This year, we have a Clepidus City Chamber Orchestra, which is a wonderful and absolutely amazing orchestra who uh, specialize in Baroque music. And our, okay. one of the main things within the festival in the choices will be presenting the Baroque era, like Johann Sebastian Bach's music. As for the idea of the professional orchestra, that is the idea maybe for next year to bring musicians from the county and maybe some guests from around Baltic states to come and join a new orchestra in our home city. But as I mentioned, we do create a new youth orchestra this year, yeah. which is in collaboration with four music schools in the county uh, because we do not have a youth orchestra in our county. And I believe we do not have, for example, even a national youth orchestra in Lithuania. Mm -hmm. uh, at least to my knowledge, I'm trying to think it, but to my knowledge, I really can't recall having a national youth orchestra in our country. And for example, I've been living in UK for 10 years. And I remember the days when I was in school in my home city, how music education was prospering. We, we'd ha we had orchestras within music schools. We had choirs, youth choirs were quite professional. 10 years after the level of interest in music education from children decreased drastically. Really? Students are not interested. Uh, they have no patience. We're living in technological age. Children probably more interesting in computers, TikToks, Instagrams, and everything else was out yeah. there. And it's very difficult to interest them. So that's the reason we're collaborating with four music schools and trying to bring all that youth together into one unity and an orchestra and try to create concert with them. So at the moment, hopefully, we have about 50 or 60 young musicians who will play together for one week, extensive rehearsals. Obviously, we're not, I'm not expecting perfection. Uh, it's yeah. impossible to reach this within the week with brand new youth orchestra. But we're concentrating on the progress and we'll hopefully we'll learn things from working with this youth orchestra and hopefully we can carry on and maybe expand within like national borders within Lithuania and, and do something more with youth because it's a growing problem uh, especially in Lithuania United Kingdom is also suffering kind of the same problems um, and solutions are needed soon otherwise 10-20 years we will have no orchestras in, in the world left we have mm -hmm. no students studying yeah, because the orchestra is also a great motivation for the students who, who do play instruments. This coming together and this uh, the unity also, not not just for them as, as um, musicians, but also for them as children coming together with other children with like-minded values and, and motivation. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And obviously they can meet new friends. Yeah. Uh, which is always very important uh, when they see the final product of the concert, when they, they hear that unity, that beautiful harmonies together, when they can create together. Personally, I would say it's 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 a push. It would be a push for me if I had would have this opportunity when I was a child. Obviously, I'm a pianist. To find a space for a pianist in the orchestra is usually quite difficult. Yeah. I wish I had a, I wish I had played like cello or violin. Uh, but I I would go for it if if I was. 12, 13 years old, I would play violin and someone would say, we're setting up a new orchestra, would you like to play it for it? I would be 100% in it. Mm -hmm. But now tell me about your career. You say now you play the piano, but how did you start playing the piano? What age were you? 
Oh God, my career, musical career. Well, everything, I think everything started when I was in nursery, kindergarten. Really? Uh, yeah, um, I was a singer at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, my music teacher in those early years when I was four years old noticed my voice and we went into the competitions. And my debut was at the National Opera House as the prize winner in competition and performed on, a, uh, I think, national TV with the Radio and Symphony Orchestra. Wow. And I was, I, and I was five. And my since goodness. then, and since then, my dad took me to a music school. Uh, I I don't remember this, but my, my dad told me that I walked into that music room in that music school. And the first thing I picked up was accordion. Uh, and then the piano teacher saw me in that school and she picked me, sat me down. And I was engaged and I was into that piano and I started learning playing piano. So throughout primary school, throughout secondary school, obviously carry on with singing career, piano as well. Uh, later on, the singing kind of decreased because of limitation. Um, but I carry on playing piano. Uh, some festivals, some competitions were won. Uh, but to be honest, at the time when I was in like year 10, 11, I said to myself, I will never study music. I had enough of it. Okay. It makes me sick. I don't want to touch the piano ever again. I said, I want to go into politics. I want to be a politician or, or, oh, work, wow. within, or work with within the environment, be an environmentalist. But mm. everything changed in 2008. Remember, like it was yesterday, I was on tour with my choir and we went to Vienna. And mm. in Vienna, you have a beautiful music museum. And I believe on the third floor, you have a massive screen with a podium and you can conduct a Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh, obviously, it's yeah. a compu- obviously, it's yeah. a computer. Yeah. So the, the electronic baton follows your beats and they try to match you and they, they play. And I remember I played Rodetsky's March. Uh, obviously, because my conducting, uh, I would say I'm very flamboyant, all the flowers mm-hmm. happening. The orchestra couldn't, well, obviously, the computer couldn't understand what I was doing. So they booed, booed me out. So you can't conduct. But only that moment when I had the chance to stand in, on the podium and conduct, obviously not real orchestra, that was the moment in my life that turned and I said, actually, I want to be a conductor. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I will go abroad to study in the United Kingdom. Um, got into university, studied general music, then later on uh, master's uh, with, con- uh, with, with conducting. And that dream just carry on going. Mm-hmm. And it, that that Radetzky march that always stuck in my head that mm-hmm. I need to conduct that piece with the real orchestra. And I do remember mm-hmm. another uh, story that I think when I was in university after my master's degree, not my master's degree, after my bachelor's degree, once again, I went to Vienna to the same museum to celebrate years. Uh, and I conducting the same piece with computerized Vienna Philharmonic. And then once again, they couldn't understand my conducting. So I got got so annoyed with them. I got so annoyed with the computer system. We can't understand simple beating system. Uh, I got back to United Kingdom and and I had a concert with the Symphony Orchestra in Canterbury Cathedral. And I specifically picked Radetzky March and nailed it. Oh, really? So there's something with that computer in Vienna, but some some something yeah. clicked. Something clicked. I don't, I don't know what I. I know it was not real, not real music. It was a recording playing back to me. But something yeah. I still have that memory that really stuck to me. And I said, I really want to work as a conductor. I want to stand mm-hmm. in front of the orchestra and and just be there. And since then, yeah, all across Europe, working with the orchestras in United Kingdom and in Lithuania, bit by bit, 
my career is going up. I do, I do hope. Yeah, and amazing that you that you work at the school and really because I think that is such a great privilege also to because you never know when you work with children who you will inspire. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, it takes time to notice the interest or that little spark in someone's eyes. Uh, for example, in my music lessons, when I work with children, they not, I would say not, they're not very normal music lessons, as you would imagine. Yeah. I'm not standing in front of the board and saying, that is a crotchet. Now we're clapping the rhythm. I'm trying to make my music lessons as interesting as I could think. For example, we... For example, the way we learn the rhythms, we're listening to Tchaikovsky's uh, Nutcracker Suite, for example, Russian dance. And we go outside, I take the speaker, we take basketballs. And I teach to play basketball while listening to Russian dance wow. rhythmically. Uh, mm. The same thing with Rossini's overtures. We play with the drumsticks, with a very specific rhythm game when they pass the drumsticks and they learn the rhythm, which is exciting. They love it because it's fun. But at the same time, at the back of the mind, they're learning rhythms. I'm introducing physics, I'm using electricity, for example, to show, explaining, for example, simple electric, electrical circuits, which is part of their curriculum. I show how, how I can create music using simple bananas, for example, any fruit will transfer mm -hmm. electricity, that connecting some wires and just pressing a banana and closing the electrical circuit that will create a signal that goes to the computer and literally we can play a piano within bananas and wow. i try to think of lessons like that making instruments out of carrots and fruits uh and introducing kids to music through kind of more fun way yeah. and at the same time trying to show the more serious side of the music obviously teaching them rhythms and music history and music theory but always kind of through more fun engaging way otherwise children will lose the interest and then after these lessons you can see someone who shows an interest you see that spark that they feel happy and when you speak to the parents they say they come to the school just because of your music lessons and you start working individually with that student and you can you you, you unveil absolutely amazing talent i had a student who could absorbed the knowledge so quickly so i could teach him within three lessons the theory and everything for example how to play piano that would take me at least half a year with other students really? so engaging so mm -hmm. being engaging trying to spark that interest into music is very important when it comes to working with children and i try to always spot the ones who are really really engaged and try to approach them and talk to parents and say I think that kid has got some, something really special and I would like to work with him individually. And bit by bit, I will develop, de develop within the school a little yeah. army of star students and musicians who maybe within the next 20 years will be Alison Balsam or, I don't know, Montserrat um, Caballier. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. And, and that you can spot that also, you know, in them. Because it, it must be also coming from your love for the music that you then create this energy from them. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Uh, as I say, not blowing my own trumpet. Uh, but yeah, it, I would say, as as I also work with other teachers and I do lectures for teachers, I always say that that energy, that love for music. If you believe in yourself, what do you do? your students will believe you. If you just stand there just because you have to, students won't be interested. They will get bored really quickly. But if you yeah. are firing with energy, with love, 
for the subject you do. It doesn't matter. Is it music, literacy, maths, whatever. But if you really love that subject, that love will transpire to the students and they will be more engaged and they will understand it quicker because they will see him. Well, Mr. R, well, that's how they call in, in my school because they can't pronounce my surname. Mr. R is probably, he, he's loving this. So I think I might like it too. Yeah. And I think it's also important that you connect also these other subjects because then when they go in the science room, then maybe they will automatically, you know, with, that that will trigger that they make these connections. Absolutely. Cross-curriculum activities are actually one of the things we're trying to encourage within the school. We're always trying to find what would go with literacy, what would go with maths. Is there any other curriculum we could literally merge together for some lessons? Maybe maybe if the student is not good in maths, he might, but he might be absolutely brilliant playing keyboards and learning rhythms. Uh, if mm-hmm. the kid is not, for example, he's struggling with writing and concentration, he might be, be, be absolutely amazing in arts. So if we can find those little connections within other subjects that might kind of lead the child the way he is uh, good, prosper more. Yeah. Well, Marius, this is so interesting to talk to you. And um, tell me, what are your wishes now for the future? Oh, dear. Uh, My wishes are probably don't stop i would say my my wish is to carry on being as excited and energetic as i am now in working with children and working with different projects working with the orchestras and the choirs don't lose that faith in myself and i would say carry on creating creating for our communities for our children and try to do as much as i can musically yeah and also your your orchestra what would you like to see the orchestra be? Uh, my dream would be for the orchestra, it would be a full-time job eventually. So, Because obviously at the moment, the orchestra is not as regular as I would like to. But if it works out, if I can get enough funding, regular funding, I would like the orchestra to be kind of as regular as BBC Symphony Orchestra and they have the same musicians and then we definitely could make a difference as mm-hmm. musicians to the community. Well, first you have to um, stay at the school because I think you have to inspire many more children. <laughs> That's the plan for the for the future. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, many people who have made wishes on my channel, their wishes came true. So I think you should let me know when the orchestra when you are full-time b- uh, based at your orchestra. Absolutely. I will <laughs> definitely will let you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll do another interview then. Okay, we have a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Marius, I just have one more question for you. Can you do a shout-out for a restaurant or coffee shop that you visit regularly in your area? For a coffee shop and? Or a restaurant, either. We or in, in Lithuania, if there's some place in Lithuania that you can mention. Oh, well, for me, honestly, oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, the only name that comes to my mind is Café du Soleil, which yeah. is in Canterbury, and it's the place, uh, it's my favorite place to go really? and socialize and have a lovely meal with my friends or with my other half. <laughs> okay, and as what type of restaurant is it? 
It is Italian French restaurant. Oh, okay. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it's by the river, the, uh, and the views and the food is just absolutely gorgeous. I just l- love it there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put their link in the description as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Marius, have a lovely afternoon, and thank you so much for your time. And I hope you. Yeah, I hope I didn't interrupt now and next lesson. Oh no! Don't worry, you did not. So oh, thank okay. you for this opportunity, Petra. Honestly, it was an absolute pleasure talking to yeah, you this and- afternoon. And all this, all the best for also the work that you're doing in Lithuania. And I really hope that you, um, you know, this festival and the, the work that you're doing there, that you inspire also children there. You seem to have this energy and you seem to have this uh, um, drive to do it. So I'm sure it will happen. Thank you very much. We will do our best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Marius. I hope to meet you one day in person. You will. You have to let me know when you come to Vienna. Absolutely. It would be lovely to have a coffee and carry on chatting. I think it would yeah, be brilliant. That would be great. Okay. I will definitely let you know. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have Petra. a lovely afternoon. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.